when we're trying to teach or preach, um, yes, it's so important to think about the message and plan all that, but it's equally as important to think about how the uh, people sitting there are, are listening and how are they understanding and how are they perceiving sure. what you're saying. Like yeah. you can talk as for as long as you want, but it's going to be different to them. So it's not going to be as much as what you have in your mind. It's going to be what they're listening and what are they hearing. Hey guys, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 80. I'm your host, Mike Neglia, and I'm glad you're listening. Now, this episode is going to be unlike anything that we've ever put out. This is uh, not an interview with a teacher or a preacher, a women's ministry leader, a worship leader. Uh, No, Dr. Joy Balta is a godly and a ministry-minded academic. Uh, He has uh, lectured in anatomy. Uh, He is, uh, yeah, just a, a very, very smart man who works in the field of academia. Um, He's a former member of Calvary Cork. That's how we knew each other, uh, grew to be friends, uh, our ministry partners. Um, But now he's moved on. He is lecturing at a university in Ohio. Um, In our conversation, though, we talk about communicating God's words in ways that connect with the learning styles of the various people that are in the room acknowledging that different people's brains and personalities are built in such a way that they're suited to learn in different ways of spoken communication. And also he's gonna talk about other ways to communicate beyond simply speaking. So if that hasn't piqued your interest, I don't know what will. So enjoy this episode about pedagogy, educational theory, and Sunday sermons. And then also before before I head off, I do just want to say congratulations, Joy, on your upcoming wedding to Hannah McCarthy. Um, you guys are made for each other, and I'm just so glad that you guys are tying the knot very soon. So just gonna sneak that in there. Um, so anyway, I hope this episode and all that we do at the Expositors Collective um, helps you in your personal study and your public proclamation of God's word. All right, God bless. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. I'm here with a special, a treasured guest, <laughs> Joy Balta. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. How are you? Good. I've been, how long have I been pestering you about being on this podcast? Oh, yeah. I'd say a good few months, or yeah, more than a year, maybe. Really? More than a year, yeah. False. This podcast is not a year old. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no. But it feels like it's been a few, few <laughs> yeah. months. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that you have some really interesting and unique perspectives that are very much like outside of our usual guests. So that's why I've been so persistent in trying to get you here. And we're here now. So. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, forgive me. I called you Joy Balta. I know that you prefer to be called by your full title, which is Dr. Joy Balta. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> False. <Okay>. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Even my students, I'm like, no way, don't call me doctor. Okay. Um, though in America, they love titles, but... They um, do. Yeah, and I'm not very... I think I used to the Irish way of like, there's no need for titles, just call me by my name. Mm. Um, so I'm getting the balance of that. Um, yeah, well, yeah. Let's, let's explain our relationship because people... So, so I live in Ireland... Yes. And you lived in Ireland. Yeah. And um, so you came to 
Ireland to study at the university in call mm-hmm. in Cork. Correct? Yes, yes. So I came um, in 2013. Yeah, I moved over to study, do my postgrad, and yeah. um, I was working at the same time. So I was teaching at the uh, university, and I did my postgrad, and then um, yeah, I was here. I was in Ireland for five, six years, um, and I was a member of Calvary um, throughout these years. And uh, yeah, we've. We've, we share the California part as well, um, outside outside Cork, Ireland. Yes, um, yes. We've like my family lives in California. You're you're from California, um, so we've we've seen each other over there as well. And yes, yeah, a lot of overlap. Yeah. So, but you, so you are originally not from California. Your family no. has like settled there. Yes. Right. So you you were born and raised in Lebanon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Lebanon. My mom's Lebanese. My dad is um, Aramaic, Assyrian Aramaic. So he comes from also like different history. So the short version is I'm Lebanese. The long version goes back to my dad's Aramaic, Assyrian roots, um, where his grandparents, or my my grandparents um, were born and that's where they moved to. And that's why everyone moved from um, what they were the lands of the Assyrians to Lebanon. My dad was born on the way, okay, and yeah. then my dad, my my dad's siblings, they all moved to California, and my dad was the last to join. Right. So we joined the bigger family in California. Okay. Um, later on. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So so fascinating. There's more to you than just that, but that is so interesting. <laughs> it's it's so yeah outside of my normal realm. Um, but yeah, so it's been great to be in the same Christian community. It's great to become friends. Thank you for being my friend, Joy. <laughs> and um, yeah, but so I think with your like educational background, not just that you are educated, you also are an educator. So I wanted to talk to you about like some of these like learning and teaching things that you've mm-hmm. been, that we've had some really interesting conversations about um, over the years. Yeah. Um, so kind of the standard, the first question that I ask um, the guests on this podcast, I'm going to ask you, um, can you tell us about your first sermon that you ever preached? <laughs> Yeah, not haven't happened yet. Uh, maybe it will happen in the future. Okay. Um, I don't know if you can count lecturing at university to adults as probably not. No. But yeah, maybe in the future. Yeah. Um, hopefully in the future. Um, it's something that I've thought about, but haven't happened yet. Really? So, uh, wow. So you are the first non-expositor to be on the Expositors Collective podcast. Cool. So you're not a preacher, but I no. think I think preachers can learn a lot from you. And so that's why I've been pestering you for about a year, give or take. Or feels. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, so yeah, so as a, as a, a fellow educator or an mm-hmm. educator in a more formal sense than mm-hmm. most of us, um, what do you think that you can impart to teachers and preachers, Bible teachers and preachers? Yeah. Um, so, like, just kind of briefly, um, I come from a science background. Um so I teach anatomy to medical students and different course of students, but I've been interested in the scholarship of teaching and learning. And this is where it all kind of starts. Um, I was doing a degree in teaching and learning in higher education. So this is, I think, where when I first started that degree is when I talked to you about it. And this is where I told you about your sermons mm-hmm. and how they were like ticking different boxes from the course that I was taking. Mm-hmm. And, and I kind of I'll mention more about it as I kind of expand on these things. So. Yeah, there's a lot that education, education psychology um, and learning can can provide to the um, to the community of people that are teaching or talking and com- communicating with yeah. um, older groups uh, or the older teaching, and that's 
and like we call it pedagogy for younger younger kind of generations different term for older older groups and it's a different type of scholarship as well okay um, so pedagogy is kids yeah what's ped- ped- because Piros is child, um, and algae is the science, yes. and dragogy is for adults. Okay, so oh. it's like a different different terminology. Do I think? Yeah, because Andre Andre means man. Yes. Okay. Teacher okay. of man. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So okay. it's a diff- different terminology, and I think it's not very commonly used. It's more no. like pedagogy in not general. It's like yeah. teaching, okay. but like teaching. At, for a young for younger um, generation is pedagogy so it's a different type of scholarship for adults okay um they're different type of learners they're different they're there for a reason that's what we say and the same thing in a sermon people are there for a reason they hmm. chose to be there they want to get something out of it they have expectations and that's what we call the learning outcomes so people are there they need to know the learning outcomes they need to know what they're there to learn so there's in education psychology there's a concept of learning um learning preferences learning styles um and that's something that have been there for years mm. um and it's it's an area it's an interesting area because different people prefer prefer different things uh, different ways of learning and there's been yeah there's been kind of debates around that um, okay. about these kind of like learning styles or preferences and things like that okay so so you would say so this is more of a social science than a hard science yeah um i i've always been that person i okay. stopped being the calling them that because okay. i think people from social science find it insulting when we say because we used to say soft science oh really and okay. hard so okay. we stopped yeah. doing that yeah. um it's like quantitative or qualitative yeah um, our, my research is used to be more quantitative and then theirs is more qualitative. Having said that, that's completely okay. It's still valid. And okay. like, as the more I learn about it, the more I realize that, yes, it's different, but it doesn't make it less valid. There are theories. The thing with um, qualitative research leads to theories rather than facts. Um, like science, they can tell you, like oh, physics is facts. Sure, sure. While in education, we talk about theories. Mm. Um, there's lots of theories and learning styles is a theory, um, one theory among others, um, in, in this kind of particular area. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, so I would say as someone who's been like teaching and preaching or just let's call it preaching. Okay. um, So I've been preaching for about 15 years Mm -hmm. and I definitely know that some people just like click and seem to just get it. Um, more than others. Right. And and I, I think there's probably, you know, 70 reasons why. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, it could be all kinds of, you know, spiritual or like physiological or like whether they got enough sleep or not, or whether they're yeah. in sin or whether my sermon was just bad. Right. But, but so maybe one of those 70 reasons mm-hmm. is this learning preference. You yes. Say. Okay. Yeah. So um, let me just kind of, uh, throughout my, the past couple of years, looking at learning preference, let me just kind of like, talk nerd a little bit about this and kind of share a little bit about this area yes yeah so like learning style um learning styles they're mentioned in literature a lot none of them are actually mentioned in quantitative um literature or in in, um, journals that are quantitative based all of them are in more like education research so there's no evidence-based research to say that learning styles actually works there are studies that even say um, that have used the certain groups learning styles and they did the exams and there was no benefit that students didn't perform better in that area so personally i've moved personally i don't i've moved away from the area and i focus more on something called multiple intelligences okay so that that's something that's kind of more related to howard gardner and he's kind of talked more about that so 
quickly the difference between those two learning style let's say mike listens to podcasts to learn more about sermons mike does not listen maybe does not listen to podcasts to learn about painting he mm. might prefer to paint and use his hands rather than just listen to things okay so we're not one type of learner you could be one learner for this thing not the same thing for the other kind of area mm. you know so we can't just put a box with so people in boxes and say they're this type of learner because we were moving toward that trend of like medical students are let's say visual learners and we're trying to like put them in a box and try to kind of make trying to find ways to address these issues which is not quite the case meanwhile multiple intelligences says that there are different intelligences and there are howard gardner proposes eight again this is another theory but there is more robust research around that okay so there are eight different intelligences that he's kind of studied um and people all people have all these intelligences but one of them could be more developed um, in some person than other areas. And just quickly mentioning them, there's linguistic, musical, spatial, logical or mathematic, kinesthetic, interpersonal, intrapersonal, and naturalist. Hmm. So these are the different eight intelligences that Howard Gardner defined. So we all have all of those, but some of them might be developed in, in, in someone more than the other. And these are the ones that kind of attract people. And I think this would be kind of an area that would be important for preachers um, to kind of focus on and realizing that people over there have different strengths in this in this group. And yeah. um, how do we address these strengths? How do we grab their attention? Um, we're moving away from this one box of there's this group, you do this, you kind of do it all. The kind of conclusion and the more recent studies is that there isn't a one group. There isn't one way to do it all. You have to use different styles or different approaches while you're preaching. Okay. Um, and that's like remembering now the sermon that I was listening to when I messaged you about on Voxer about the um, the learning styles or the um, different styles that you use in the sermon was you were using to you quoted or mentioned a story that falls under the linguistics. So okay. people that are there that are interested in history or in stories are like going to be tuned in. So you're going to grab their attention yeah. um, when you do that. Or if people are talking, or if you mention numbers, so like quite a bit, you do mention like, like historical numbers, people in certain areas, the, the percentages of this, mm. or the number of people in the area. So you're grabbing the attention of people that are mathematical, mm. that are logical, or they want to follow like a certain trend. And the same way when you're presenting your sermon in a bullet point, like very clear picture, okay. that's also kind of gonna grab, and I'm, I'm a logical person when it comes to like, when I'm listening, I wanna understand where I am, right. where I'm gonna be next and all that. So yes. that will also draw me. Because your notes are very clearly numbered right now. Yeah, so like <laughs> yeah. I have bullet points of things that I want. So that's how I yeah. function. Yeah. Um, there are people that would be kind of more interested in the spatial part or the musical. So if you so if you included something else in your in your sermon, you're going to grab those attention, mm. the attention of that kind of group. Yeah. So what we call um, in teaching when I'm when we're teaching, when we try to address these issues, we call them entry points. So um, entry point to learning. So these entry points to learning is just trying to use one of these intelligences and to use techniques to address these intelligences or to kind of. Yeah, grab these people's attention and bring them into the sermon. So people are going to space out due, mm, yeah, based on yeah. their attention span. And once you use one of these entry points as your technique, um, you're going to be bringing them back into the learning process or into your kind of sermon. And they'd be able to listen to you as they go along. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, yeah, because I remember that that conversation, and again, I think you were like just after taking a yeah a, a course on it, mm-hmm. and so you were talking to me about it and and asking how long you were like how long have you, you known know about, about this? It? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I'd never heard about it in my life, and I just was accidentally uh-huh. doing the sort of things that you and from experience, like I think because yeah. you've probably been doing it a while, uh, yeah. you've like noticed things, yeah, but like for me. I didn't come from, let's say, educational background, and I was doing, I'm still doing the master's, so like a three-year thing, um, so I'm still doing it. For me, I was kind of like learning about them, and then coming yeah. to your sermon and saying, oh, well, that's interesting, like mm. he's doing this and doing this and doing that, and like that kind of hits those different entry points um, to engage the learners in a different ways. So it's just different styles and having different um, methods to go about this. Okay, okay. Yeah, so, so some people are these learning intelligences right now or diff um and they're they've been taking notes the whole time <laughs> and they're like super stoked on this podcast they've been waiting for someone to talk about this cool. um most people aren't <laughs> okay. sorry to say so so most people aren't like they're thinking wait so i have to like exit the passage i need to, to have a good outline i have to do all these things and then now i have to consider these eight different mm. learning things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ugh. And yeah. so I, I think I'm I'm maybe emphasizing that part of my story is that, well, I think some of these are going to very naturally come through. Yes, of course. And then maybe some of it, you can just add some thought to it yeah. and just highlight or maybe just expand on something mm-hmm. that we already tend to do. Because um, I love that idea of entry points. And mm-hmm. I know that in, in, you know, like a sermon's like a 40 minute monologue. Mm-hmm. That's a long time for anyone to focus. Mm-hmm. And I, I aim to um, at every like, you know, new point or to have like something that allows people kind of like a, I call it like an on-ramp mm-hmm. um, allows you to get on to yes. the motorway yeah. and, and, and kind of even realizing people have probably, you know, lost concentration. Sure. And so you kind of like announce the new thing and it's like, well, hey, if you've lost, lost your train of thought, that's fine. Here's something new. Yeah. Join me on this. Yes, exactly. And these are the entry points learning, like exactly what you're describing. And if they, if the entry point that you're using to join could be, could be different ways. Okay. So if it could be mentioning a certain fact, a historical yeah. fact, okay. could be yeah. a video, could be statistical. So, you know, whatever it mm. is, because what's going to grab someone's attention is going to be different to someone else. Yeah. So the entire point is just trying to acknowledge that what grabs someone's attention is going to be different to someone else and making sure that you um, address them. Now, I don't think, like, I think as you go about this with the experience, you already are doing this. But when, we, when we're trying to teach or preach um yes it's so important to think about the message and plan all that but it's equally as important to think about how the uh, people sitting there are are listening and how are they understanding and how are they perceiving what you're saying like you can talk as for as long as you want but it's going to be different to them so it's not going to be as much as what you have in your mind it's going to be what they're listening and what are they hearing that's coming out from you that they can take um, so I think that's kind of key to to know where the audience is yeah. at what level they're at and yeah, meet them at that level, making sure that you're at that level and um, bring them to the process that you're at. And it, like it probably took you a while to prepare your sermon yeah. and to get to the level of knowledge that you're at. So yeah. what's easy for you is probably going to be difficult for them, uh, for them to just kind of join in at the level that you're at. Sure. Yeah. Because I think, yeah, I think we know you know, content is king, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, in, in the biology lab, in the Sunday morning sermon experience, but what's the point of having great contact if it's, sorry, content, yes. if it's, if it's just, you know, inaccessible, if it's, right. if there's no 
on ramps. There's no entry points or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. You know, like if you've been rock rock climbing, you know, there's those hooks you can get your hand right. into and pull yourself up. So you want to have ways to allow people to come in yeah. and to do that. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so you you mentioned them. one of them that you mentioned was like kinesthetic, mm-hmm. um, which means like movement. Yeah. Um, how's that? Yeah. Um, work. Yeah. So I don't... How, how do you do it? In, yeah. Okay. In, in your labs. And, right. And how could I do it? Right. 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 So it is a bit of a tricky one. So again, with all these things, it's going to really depend on your group. Okay. Right. So. Small group learning is different to large group learning. So if I'm teaching in a lecture hall, it's yeah. a little bit difficult. If I have, I've had student, like a class of 300 students, yeah. it's quite difficult to be able to kind of engage with all those mm-hmm. kind of groups. So th- that's not an ideal type learning. Yeah. So an ideal type learning is smaller groups, right? So when I'm teaching in anatomy, in an ideal scenario, I would want the students to, so like, let's say I'm teaching about the forearm and the muscles in the forearm and the arm, right? And I get the students when I'm talking, let's say about biceps, I get them to do the movement. Mm. So there's different there's there's different ways that you can move the arm and the forearm to hit different muscles. So I get them to try these actions okay. and, mm. and that's a way for them to learn or like get up out of their seat and try to do the action so they'd be able to understand it. Mm. So in preaching, um, when you're preaching, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to kind of have the content become more kinesthetic. But I think like different people have done it in different ways. If they're able to move themselves and they're able to kind of like engage with the group of people, even like I've seen classes where they're able that they allow their students to kind of walk around and like feel free to have that, um, to have the ability for people or participants in the class. Whenever they're comfortable, just go around, move, do whatever they want. And that's another way to engage on a more movement level. So I think it's a little bit tricky when you're mm. talking about bigger groups, okay. um, and especially in the case of um, preaching. Uh, but again, it's not necessarily that you have to hit all those points. Okay. So like, it's kind of important to realize that. It's not like the best sermon is to aim to get the eight intelligences in. Because again, like I'm a very realistic person. Like These are theories. We try our best. Mm. We aim to hit different kind of groups, yeah. but we're not going to follow things to the dot, you know, okay. um, because sometimes it might apply. Sometimes it mightn't apply. Um, in a sermon setup, we don't necessarily want to have like people running around or like, you know, like there's sure. there's different things that yeah. you want to aim for. So, yeah, it's a little bit more tricky. Well, um, something that, you know, some people do and, and I don't do this. I think this is cheesy. No offense to whoever does it. But like, you know, when, when the preacher is like, OK, now turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, you know, um, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And then everyone goes and does it. Is that kinesthetic? Like a bang? Or is that just straight up cheesy no matter yeah. what? <laughs> is, there, is there no benefit at all? I suppose that's that does have some movement in it. I'm not sure if it hits the intelligence mm. movement. I think it hits more other types of things because that's more interpersonal. So that's more the interpersonal intelligence where you're trying to get people to talk to other people. Okay. So like some people are good at communicating to other people. They're good at like, let's say, Hmm. praying with them or talking yeah, yeah. talking about things with them while others aren't so that definitely people that are good at that are going to be comfortable are going to be happy to do this and they're going to engage that way hmm. again i don't think there's necessarily one thing yeah. that's going to be best to do different people are going to have different strengths so trying to um, have a variety of um, entry points sure. or a variety of ways of teaching yeah. would be the kind of most ideal okay. um, situation yeah and and maybe even for those preachers that do that mm-hmm. i guess maybe that's so that people are hearing it but then all of a sudden they have to say it as well so that's mm-hmm. 
they're taking it in and then they have to take it out. Put it in action. Yeah, they might remember the fact that they said it more right. than, 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 you know, the preacher up there said it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and what some people do this where they're like, hey, who's seen the latest Avengers? Put up your hand if you've seen the latest Avengers. And they always want to get people to raise their hand. Mm-hmm. Is that? That's engaging. So okay. that's like, uh, that's another um, part of educational theory yeah. where you want to, to have an active classroom. Okay. Um, so I think like one of the most important is to have a, we call it student centered classroom mm-hmm. um, where the focus is on the students. So it's about their learning rather than your teaching. Okay. So like mm-hmm. your teaching is good. But if there's no learning, there's no point in your teaching. Sure. So be, having the student at the center of the learning process is extremely important. Um, yes, it's extremely important to do that. And having an active classroom where you're able to communicate with the with the student and they're able to engage with them, it's going to be a way for them to stay connected to you and engage with the learning process. Or else you're going to lose them and you're gonna they're not going to be able to learn as much. And okay. we try to do the same thing in teaching. There are different ways um, we use, like these days, we're all about apps. So there's like apps where you can put up a question on on, on the screen mm-hmm. and people can, in my classroom, people can like just, or it's already prepared, it's an app, then they can just go and vote. And the, the answer will come up on the screen. So they'll know if they got the right answer or not. And that's kind of more of a discreet way for them to realize that they haven't really studied in the past mm-hmm. month. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So there's kind of a bit of self-shame yeah. and kind yeah. of like realizing that, 90% of the class knows the answer except for you. So mm. you need to kind of up your game. But again, the point is that you want them to stay engaged. You I want see. them to stay involved in the learning process and you don't want them kind of zone out out of the um, out of the process. And especially with the attention span, like people's attention spans, especially the younger generation with technology is getting shorter and shorter. Um, so making sure that you don't lose them along the way is extremely important. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing that gets people's attention more than publicly shaming them so (laughs) (laughs) yeah one way (laughs) which i in teaching they're very um they're very strict about these things people can get reported for like if if i ask a question and someone uh if i ask one particular student they can say that you are discriminating against them and you are kind of like trying to corner them um so like when i'm teaching if i if I've asked a question and like that group of people always answers, I am not allowed to point out one student and say, what do you think? Okay. I usually tend, okay, people in that corner, what do you think? Yeah, Rather than right. one person. So they're kind of, yeah, they're a little bit um, strict about these things at university yeah. level. Not when I was growing up. Yeah, yeah. I know. Neither am I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it did us, yeah, we, we did well with that kind of like on the spot. Um, yeah. But these days in universities, it's not quite a thing anymore. Hmm. Um, students are very vocal about how comfortable they are and if you make them uncomfortable it's their way really Mm. yeah okay so there's if there are these you know allegedly Mm -hmm. these eight different like intelligent styles Mm -hmm. um that means i guess there there needs to be a thing that there's probably let's say in a room of 100 people that there's i can't what's what's 100 divided by eight Oh, well. There's there's a there's a let's say an evenly divided slice where where there's these sections about what mm-hmm. eleven and a half or something of of each of these people. Right. But then you know the one guy with the microphone up front, he definitely has his own learning style. Right. How like is it useful for a a preacher to like identify mm-hmm. his own learning style? Right. And then maybe like make sure that not everything is just oriented towards people like him. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So again, um, let's let's remember that everyone has all the intelligences. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay. So even if you 
are not necessarily strong, like one of them is not your strength, you still have it. So that's the difference between the styles and the intelligences. So people have different intelligences and it's, yes, as you said, it's, it's extremely important to know what's your strength because mm-hmm. you're going to, if you don't go about it in a very strategic way, you're always going to learn, you're always going to lean towards your own strength. Right, right. And your sermon is going to be mainly, let's say, if you're logical, you're going to, your sermon is going to be like statistics or it's going to be like facts and numbers. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to be able to engage, like have intrapersonal where you have emotions and your own emotions and people's emotions yeah. in it. You know, so knowing what your strength is and being conscious that yes that's your strength but you do have all the intelligences okay. it could be more work for you uh, yeah. it will be more work for you but it's going to be important for those that have the other okay. strengths to kind of consider them um and go about it that way okay how can one find out is it like the enneagram do you have to like the, go on a deep journey and find out yeah your, no your no number. okay so one of the sessions and when i do the anatomy um it's one of the sessions about how to teach anatomy okay. um the first session when i talk about intelligences i let i play a video um it's the cats video it's like a play and i get the students to watch the entire play and afterwards it's like a three minute not the full one just oh, like yeah. a three minute okay. thing and then afterwards i ask them questions yeah so i ask them what did you notice first? Did you notice the turmoil of the feelings of the actual character? Did you notice the music? Did you notice the um, did you notice the movements, the body movements? Did you notice the your own feelings? Mm-hmm. So it's always extremely interesting when people now again we all have those intelligences, yeah. but one is gonna be strong. It's gonna be the first thing that you're gonna um, you're gonna see or you're gonna experience. So I've had different experiences some of them are really interesting like here in cork when i was teaching one of the um students you know like you don't expect he was a um a gap player a hurling player so he's he's like you know like the tough boy from from cork and uh plays in the in the local team and when he played the video and i asked the question he was like oh i just like felt really sad and that was the thing that I felt like I just because could was able to focus on my own sadness. I was like, oh, okay, like why? And he said that they've had a match recently and they lost and it was really bad. Mm. And he experienced that when he was watching the video, he was only feeling the sadness within him. Yeah. And that only shows the um, the intrapersonal kind of intelligence that that's being able to identify or know about your own feelings is one of the intelligences. So that was a quick or long tangent but it's it's one of the ways that we could be done um you can watch and we can put this as a link you're telling me that the way to find out your learning style is to watch a three minute cats video yes and do the question after it and just like see have the questions in front of you and see which one grabbed your attention first okay and to be honest when you spend some time thinking about them i think you'd be able to tell yourself when you kind of like put them all next to each other and start thinking about them, you'd be able to tell, well, yes, I'm comfortable in this area. Okay. Or, um, yeah, you're drawn to this area. Okay. Um, what am I? What do you think I am? Um, let me think. Should we pause this and go watch the cat video? <laughs> <laughs> um, like, see, the thing is with logical. So, like, one of the things I love about your sermons is the fact that I'm able to follow along and I'm able to know where I am and where I'm going. Mm. And you're always, it's being presented in a way that includes facts, includes the history, includes the background. Um, so probably from what I've experienced in the sermon, 
in sermons that logical would be one of those that are up there again i don't know you personally you're the one who decide like you'd say your own feelings if you're yeah. strong at that or being able to identify with other people's feelings but i would say that logical would be maybe one of the um yeah one of the ones that are up there sounds good and what are you um i would probably associate with that as well i'm naturalist um naturalist was one of the weird ones that i never like it was hard for me to understand at the start not like nudity Isn't no that, like don't think of, like <laughs> like i think nudists i think what you're supposed to call nudists naturalists no now, no 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 so naturalists is more people that identify with <laughs> like biology and okay. nature okay. like farmers okay. like people that um have passion for nature and animals yeah um would probably be that and find it like comfortable to take care of a garden and and you know like these people are naturalists so i feel like i'm i suppose yeah between those and interpersonal okay. um so logical interpersonal and naturalist mm. um would probably be my areas again it's not like one thing sure. and um yeah so so as someone who yeah i agree like let's say i lean towards this logical thing so what i'm hearing you say is that i should intentionally work towards the other kind of learning intelligence or the other like emotional yeah, intelligence, intelligence yeah, yeah. including not just facts and lists yes um absolutely but yeah. song lyrics and yeah. stirring stories mm-hmm. um in addition to that yeah absolutely so again it'll be easy for you to if you like if you were asked to give a sermon on the spot your sermon would probably the majority of it would be your preference and your comfort zone yeah because that's what your strength is mm-hmm. And they're your strength because it's it's like one of the intelligences that you're very strong um, you're very strong at. So naturally you're going to be good at that. But knowing that your audience is going to have different strengths, sure, sure. so you will be spending more time trying to talk about emotional experiences, trying to mm. put in like a video to engage with those that are more spatial, um, have different entry points, as we said earlier, like having different entry points where you bring in those learners into the process um, throughout the sermon by using those different um, techniques mm. and different strengths. So yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, and so there is an assumption that, yeah, the learning preference of the person with the microphone is different than the learning preferences of the people in the congregation. Um, everyone is going to yeah. have his his own yeah. uh, different strengths. So yes, there will be different. And then I wonder, like, I'm just thinking spitballing, but like, is there some degree of like self-selection as well? Um, because, you know, like we're not the only Christian church in Cork, you know? Right. And is it any surprise that you, Mr. Logical person, like ended up at Calvary Cork where like the main teacher is also kind of a more logical oriented person? Do you think that that kind of draws and attracts like a, a crowd of people that yeah. kind of are like, huh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And, you know, other churches yeah. that might be a bit more emotive, like mm-hmm. tend to have emotive people. Yeah, absolutely. Like it only makes sense that you're going to be drawn to what you're comfortable with, mm-hmm. um, to something that you'll be able to relate to, right. you know. So I, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I agree with that. Um, of course, like the decision of attending a church is like a little bit more complicated than that. But definitely like being drawn to the um the sermon and being able to understand relate um to the sermon is one of the important ones so yes definitely um people that are going to be able to comfortably engage with this are going to be more drawn to this part Mm um yeah yeah absolutely fascinating um hey anything else you want to talk about 
Um, like, I just, I think maybe it's important to talk a little bit about how, yes, there's learning happening um, during the sermon, and that's really important. And it's the same way in the classroom. We always say, yes, classroom is important, but that's not the only place where there is learning happening. So learning could also be happening outside that. And I think, and this is what, as churches, we kind of need to focus on or trying to kind of work on and just kind of more um, have outside the sermon learning and which probably going to be like either one-on-one or community groups Mm -hmm. or um, different platforms. So learning is not just going to be in the 45-minute sermon, um, the learning process. And again, when we say learning, it doesn't necessarily have to be like knowledge-based. It could be in different domains of learning, effective domain, emotional, it could be in different areas. So let's not focus on just that contact hour to 45 minutes. Mm. There's other areas where people that are, have different types of other learnings. Again, the learning side of this, the visual um, auditory kinesthetic is one learning. There's also other groups of learning styles like pragmatist, activists. So people, and again, different theories, but some people are better at learning when they are able to communicate their information, when they're able to kind of mm. talk it through. Mm. Um, so, Beyond just turning to their neighbor and saying yeah, prescribed things. So. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So like some people to be able to actually like, yes, you can talk to someone. They're listening. They're trying to understand. But it mightn't sink in. They mightn't be able to relate it to their own life, their own experiences. And that's really the point of the sermon. Like you don't, you want them to understand what you're saying, but you want to help them in the application part. Mm. So you... To take that step further, it needs to be more on a personal level. And I suppose that would be the place for um, community groups um, Mm. where people Mm. are able to... People that are good at applying the sermon are going to be there and going to help other people um, that maybe struggle to see how you can apply these things to everyday everyday life. And people are going to be... People might want to debate or discuss Mm. or ask questions and take it further. So learning is not just happening in the sermon. Learning is equally important outside the sermon. And then even for that person who comes to the Tuesday night community group and, you know, he or she doesn't say anything. Yes. They're, they're just there. And they're hearing other people tease things out mm-hmm. too, saying the same kind of truths in <clears throat> in different ways. Yes, absolutely. And then that's going to be extremely important for them because, yes, like they come to Sunday, they're coming to the sermon, they're listening, but maybe they're not able to engage on that day. Maybe they weren't able to understand something. Then when right. they come, they're just listening to people put it, let's say, in different words yeah. and bringing their own life experiences, taking it to a different level. Yeah. And I think that's extremely important. Mm. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. And, and I mean, you've left out even just like the, the singing and the worship aspect. Mm-hmm. of. So there is that 45 minute sermon. And then also, let's say, you know, 45 minutes of, of singing as well, which I think is this also this way of getting truth into us mm-hmm. in a different part. A different, yeah. You know, that's a whole nother podcast. And I'd love to talk to some musicians about, mm-hmm. about also kind of like um, singing or liturgy as a way of getting truth into hearts and minds as well. Yeah. And that's musical is one of the intelligence. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, people that are able to relate to that, people that are able to listen to the lyrics yeah. and be able to think about the lyrics while they're um, worshiping is going to be really important for this group. Um, it's going right. to be key for them um, because they're able to learn and apply while they're worshiping hmm. um, throughout the singing process. Yeah. And that's why at Calvary Cork, I'm sure you've noticed, but we're rather we're rather like pedantic about the songs that are selected. Right. Um, that like the, you know, relevant the, to the sermon. 
yeah that, that, that it's connected to the same truth yes. and that it's like it's worth singing in the first place and that it's worth memorizing because mm-hmm. people are going to memorize these lyrics yeah. so we want these lyrics to be um yeah worthy of meditation and mm-hmm. mer- worthy of remembrance and uh uh yeah so yeah but that's another podcast yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll get we'll get to kian or, or someone else for that one but uh perfect yeah cool i'm glad you're here thanks yeah. for giving me your time thanks for having me and uh thanks for those that have listened to the end um we think you're better for it (laughs) all right cool thanks Hey, my name is Derek Neider. I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel, Las Vegas. You know, we are so privileged to be able to host Expositors Collective on February 21st and 22nd of 2020. You know, if you want to learn how to teach the Word of God, you don't want to miss this opportunity to sit under some great teaching and learn in an interactive environment. If you're 18 to 34, let me tell you something, you don't want to miss it. I wish that this existed when I was learning to teach the Word of God. Make sure you sign up today and join us for this life-changing opportunity. Oh,